0: Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations.
1: We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Hey guys, I'm Ashleen Seitz. And I'm Becky Ford. And we are in the middle of a series on self-knowledge called Who Dis? And today we are going to start talking about emotional intelligence, one of two episodes on the EQ. But first of all, we start every episode by asking one question, which is what's on the rise for you this week? So Becky, what's on the rise for you this week?
0: This week, this has been a week of announcements in the state of Indiana. It is pandemic time. Mm -hmm. And so this week, we've been hearing about timelines for reopening, specifically our CrossFit gym. So what's on the rise for me is planning. I find myself during a workout thinking, oh my gosh, have you done this? Or think about this. And then I write it down on my whiteboard. (laughs) (laughs) So my mind is in planning mode for the exciting reopening of the economy, specifically
1: our CrossFit gym. Mm -hmm. What about you, Ash? Well, I hadn't gone to the grocery store. My roommate and I had been trying to eat through all of the food we had at home eat and we through. made it yeah <laughs> we made it almost a month it was i think 28 days between without going to the grocery store it's impressive but consequently we were also ordering from food trucks and delivery <laughs> there's a place called cluster truck here in indianapolis and i honestly haven't had a bad thing from them and which makes me want to order it all the time Consequently, my bank account's struggling a little bit and I'm kind of feeling it, you know, so I think cooking is on the rise. We've finally gone to the grocery store, got some food at home, time to break out the old recipe book and start cooking (laughs) again.
0: Ash and I were joking when we go back to the gym full throttle, we're going to be like body brought to you by (laughs) Cluster Truck, our sponsor,
1: Yes. uh,
0: maybe someday.
1: This struggling workout brought to you
0: (laughs) by the the wonderful food. Of cluster truck, I don't think we'll be alone.
1: Burgers and Sidewinder
0: fries. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to get me some. Yes. I have to try it out. Yep. Well, in this episode, as Ash said, we are jumping into emotional intelligence. There are three components that make us who we are. So as we lay the framework before we jump into emotional intelligence, let's just take a step back and think through what makes us the person we are today. There's three elements. One is your personality, which in our first episode, you would have heard us talk through personality test. The second one is your IQ. So your intelligence. And the third one is your emotional intelligence or EQ. These three components make you who you are, and two of them are fixed. So two of them you cannot change. Which two do you think those are?
1: Uh, personality. I forgot what
0: you said. <laughs> uh, the other one's IQ. I was thinking about which, something else. Okay, actually, hold on. Nope, no, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So there's, there's two out of the three. Mm-hmm that we cannot change. It is fixed. Which yes. two do we think those are?
1: Uh, I'm going to go with personality and intelligence. Yes.
0: Yes. want want So you can't, you can't increase your IQ. Can you can really you not increase your IQ? That's a genuine so, question. So knowledge, uh-huh. you can increase your knowledge, okay. but your innate ability for your IQ level, they say you cannot change. Interesting. Yeah. Your personality too. You For emotional intelligence, you are who you are, right? And you can learn how to have self-control. Maybe your personality is you tend to get angry quickly or you tend to see the world in a certain way. You can still open up your perspective, but you are who you are. Yeah. That makes sense. Now, emotional intelligence, EQ, that we can change. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's what we're really going to be talking about today. And at the bottom line of emotional intelligence, what is EQ? It is the ability to recognize and understand your feelings or emotions Mm -hmm. and the feelings and emotions of others. So why else should we focus on EQ? We know that it helps us with having deeper, more meaningful relationships, but another key piece of EQ that many studies have shown And one of the books I'll reference a couple times in these podcasts is called Emotional Intelligence 2.0. There's multiple studies out there that show those who have a higher EQ and a moderate IQ, they outperform those who have a high IQ and average EQ by 70% of the time. That's a lot. It is a lot. So it's saying you don't have to be the smartest person in the room IQ wise, but if your EQ, your ability to read others, yourself, manage your emotions, that is a bigger predictor of success in the workplace.
1: What's that thing that they say about you? You don't have to be the smartest person in the room, but you have to be smart enough to know who is the smartest person in the room. Is that part of it? Like Ooh, figuring out? Probably. Okay, who is the smartest? Who has the power here? Who is? Yes. Yeah.
0: That's probably the social awareness The social part. dynamics. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and so there's another uh, test out there that was taken by a group called Talent Smart, and they tested 33 top workplace skills. And out of those 33 skills... EQ was the highest predictor of performance or Mm -hmm. high performers. So all in all, emotional intelligence, the good news is you can improve it. So as you listen to these podcasts, if you think, oh my gosh, (laughs) I am not good at that. It's okay. And we're going to be sharing different tips, techniques to improve in four key areas of emotional intelligence. This podcast specifically is going to focus on two of the four. Mm -hmm. The first two we're going to focus on fall under the personal competence area. So one of those is your self-awareness. How aware are you of your own emotions? And the second one is your self-management. How well do you manage your emotions? Yes. In our second follow-up episode, we'll be going into the relational competence. Mm -hmm. And those two areas go into our social awareness, so being aware of those social settings, like you mentioned, yep. in the workplace, and then the relationship management. How do we manage our relationships? That'll be in the follow-up episode. So let's start this journey. This is
1: pretty exciting. Yes. I yeah. really enjoy talking about this stuff. And in our intro, I think we talked about our intro episode, we talked about things we really are passionate about. This is one of yes, the things I'm yep. passionate about. is emotional health, emotional understanding of how other people work, how you work. So This is a big deal to me. You kind of studied some of this, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah, This is your jam. I did some psychology back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So let's talk about self-awareness. So to start out, let's talk about what emotions are real quick. And we can kind of dive into this more later. But the beginning that, that you need to know is that we have a rational brain and an emotional brain. And that's kind of an oversimplification, obviously. But when we talk about our emotions, they come from our amygdala, and that's where our, um, our brain receives input from the rest of our body and sends out signals to the rest of our body. So your emotional brain is what drives your actions and reactions, and how you feel is going to t- dictate how you act, how mm-hmm. your emotions feel. So I don't know if you've ever said, I do this a lot. You say, mm-hmm. I'm fine. But what your body language or your tone of voice is communicating is not fine. So you're like, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) not fine. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Totally guilty. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So many of us growing up are taught to ignore our emotions or not to trust them, that they're kind of this side portion. It's almost like this, like, naughty kid in the corner that we just Mm -hmm. have to ignore. Like he's over there kicking and screaming. Just pretend he's not there, you know. But our emotions are really key to what's going on, understanding what's going on around us. So people that have had you know, brain injuries or have to have surgery, if you separate the amygdala from the rest of the brain, their understanding of meaning of interactions is completely gone because you don't have any emotions to feel what's going on. So you and I can have a conversation and there would be no meaning to it for me. Yeah. I could intellectually input the information, but I wouldn't have anything to attach meaning to it. So we really do need our emotions. Our prefrontal cortex is what processes thought and information, and it's logical, but it's slow. It's not as fast as our emotions, and the reason for that is Um, If you think about the reflexes, kind of the fight, flight, flee, Mm -hmm. those things have to come first. They have to come before we think about, okay, is this dangerous? Because if, you know, a car is coming at you, if you've ever done that thing where you think something's going to happen, you think you're going to get hit or you think something, you know, something's going to fall and you just react. That's your amygdala saying, we got to do something. And your body reacting to it. And then afterwards, your brain can be like, oh, that thing wasn't falling. That car wasn't coming for me. You know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So your you, the key thing to remember is that your emotions act first or respond first. And then your brain, your logical brain catches up. With that understanding underway, let's talk about self-awareness. So self-awareness is defined as conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, desires. I don't know about you, but even just reading that, I'm like, oh, do I really know? Do I really know (laughs) what I want? If I know what I want, do I know why? Yeah. And I think this is so important that we understand ourselves and our motivations, because otherwise you can end up doing things that you don't actually want because you think it's going to bring you what you want, but it's not actually.
0: Oh my gosh. This makes me think of food.
1: Yeah, tell me about that. <laughs>
0: it it immediately is even right now in quarant- quarantine. I think a lot of us have struggled more with. You feel like you, and for me, I'm a, an extreme extrovert. You're mm-hmm. missing people time. And you think that that bag of chocolate covered pretzels is going to make you feel good and you yes. eat it. And the next morning you hate yourself. Why did I eat that entire bag of chocolate covered pretzels? So even, you know, those ad- whether you have an, an addiction or not, um, even just cravings or addictive personalities yes. filling some type of void and that importance of understanding why, which a lot of times we probably just regret it. We think I shouldn't have done that. Right. And we usually don't probably take it to that deeper level of, Mm -hmm. well, what made me do that? What was I missing that caused me to react and have that craving, which I knew I would regret the next day, but I did it anyway.
1: And it's usually a need that we're trying to meet. We're trying to meet a need. So you're feeling this need for social interaction, for love, for attention, Mm -hmm. and you can't meet that right now the way that you normally would. And so you decide to try to, your body says, I need something. And so you try to meet it another way. And we can end up, I mean, it can be as simple as eating a bag of cookies, a box of cookies, whatever, or it can be an entire life of chasing after something that you're trying to fill a need that you're not actually going to fill that way. So it's, yeah, it's complicated. It takes a yeah. lot of soul searching. And one of the ways you can, you know, start to figure those things out are through taking personality tests. Our first episode, episode one was on personality tests. You can take the Myers-Briggs Enneagram, a whole bunch of strengths finder, You can work through those. And I think often... Especially emotionally, it reveals blind spots to us if we start to dig into the why and the motivation yeah. behind what we're doing. So you can take an emotional intelligence test. It's the EQI 2, right? Is that right? what it's called? EQI yep. 2.0? Yeah. Yep. Yep. So we'll talk
0: about There's that later. There's a code in the back of the book. If you get Ooh. the book.
1: Ooh, excellent. Yeah. Okay. Becky, I'll talk that, about that in a minute. But I took a test and in the summer of 2017 as part of a development program. And the I scored, I think you can score in like below average and then average and then above average. And I scored in average or above average in everything except speaking up for myself, voicing my opinion. And I remember the person that was going through the test with me, just talking to me through it and saying, you know, why aren't you comfortable with this? And I was like, ah, because I don't, I don't want to have to fight. I don't want to have to fight for what I believe. It's not that I don't think I'm valuable or what my opinion is is valuable. I don't want to have to fight for it. And she said, well, do you believe you have something valuable to contribute? And I said, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. well then, if you have something valuable to contribute, but you're choosing not to contribute it, are you holding back from the world? Are you keeping good things from happening? And I was like, oh, I don't want to. Okay, <laughs> fine. Was that a leading question? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then I spent the next two years, as you know, fate would have it, I spent the next two years in a position of leadership in which I had to continuously choose to speak up to try to change an unhealthy situation. And it was rough. It was rough, but it was yep. such good practice. And so then in 2019, I was offered the opportunity to take the test again. And I said, you know what? Actually, I'm okay because I think the, the one area that I really needed to work on, mm-hmm. I have been forced to work on and I've been forced to acknowledge it and yes. spent two years working on it. So let's talk about some strategies to get to know yourself better. As I said, you can take some personality tests. One of the things that helps me is to treat myself like a science experiment. So when I, I said that. when I said the rational <laughs> brain versus the emotional brain, you can use your rational brain to analyze your emotions and say, okay, so if something comes up, all of a sudden you get angry, you start, or I, I, my friends and I were talking this week about um when something happens and you s- suddenly want to cry and you're like, what the heck? Yep. Where did this even come from? Like you're work- watching a commercial or you're having a conversation oh, you're when like... When a dog dies in a movie. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> that gets me. So that's an example. So you can yeah. stop and take a second and say, okay, that's interesting. Just observe it like a scientist would. You can mm-hmm. Picture yourself in a little lab coat and be like, hmm, yeah, your goggles. <laughs> <laughs> be like, okay, that's interesting. Why am I reacting this way? Yeah. And kind of try to walk it out and say, what is causing this feeling And why, you know, what, is there something I need to do about it? Or can I just let this one go? Or, you know, is it good? Is it causing harm? What is happening here? So then another option is to do a genogram. I actually, I've done one before, but I I did this this week because it came up in a book. And I, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. So a genogram basically is, it's like a family tree, but it kind of accounts for some of the bigger family issues because everyone's family has problems everyone's family is screwed up in some way. Some of us worse than others. What? I know. Crazy. Everyone's perfect, right? It's going to make everyone feel better who's listening (laughs) and be like, oh my gosh, it's not just my family. It's not just your family. Yeah, exactly. So when you do a genogram, you can go back. The easiest way to do it is just to go back about two generations. And um, you can just Google it. Just Google how to make a simple genogram. And it can help you see patterns in your life and see, okay, I prob- might react this way because all of the people in, on this side of my family are alcoholics or all of the people on this side of my family are divorced. So this is maybe why, one of the reasons why I respond the way that I do. So, yeah, that makes sense. That's helpful. And then the hardest one, in my opinion, so Carl Jung, the psychologist, said that everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. That is deep. So take notice of what irks you about others because it often correlates to something within you instead. So for instance, you and I had a text exchange a while ago and don't worry, listeners, I asked Becky if I could talk about this. (laughs) Permission granted. (laughs) Yes. Uh, We actually don't have communication issues very often. So I feel like this was noteworthy.
0: Normally our communication is pretty strong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we were supposed to do a partner workout together. It was a Friday and, and our gym, we do partner workouts on Friday and Saturday. I was looking forward to it. we would kind of been talking about it all week. Yeah. And then when it came to it, you and Tristan decided to work out together mm-hmm. and there wasn't really an acknowledgement because you were busy. There wasn't an, an acknowledgement of, I'm sorry, our plans fell through. Mm-hmm. And because that didn't happen, I felt like I wasn't as valuable to you as I wanted to be. yeah. And really, it didn't have much to do with you at all. I mean, it, it did in the sense that it, our interaction was together, mm-hmm. but it, what it said was about me that I was concerned about being valuable to you. If you had said something that indicated maybe you didn't like me, that would have been a different issue. I wouldn't have even heard it that way because I'm not yeah. concerned that you don't like me. It's how valuable am I to you? And so it says more about me about you. You can tell your side of that story. Anything, (laughs) anything
0: you want to throw in? Well, I know I've mentioned on different podcasts, I'm a people pleaser. My communication breakdown was probably more so with my husband, Tristan, Mm -hmm. because we had not communicated. I had not told him, Hey, I think I'm going to go work out with the girls and meet him at a track. Yeah. And his phone this day, he, I texted him multiple times and he was not responding. And it wasn't until he got home close to the time we were supposed to meet us ladies at the track and work out. Yeah. And that's when he turned his phone off, turned it back on and had all these messages he hadn't gotten all day. Now that is like super random. Yeah. So that it was, I felt bad because it's two people I care a lot about. Yeah. It was a good learning experience Mm -hmm. talking about science experiment, right? Between the two of us, we have not had something like that before and it strengthens. I think in those moments, I know it's many of us want to avoid conflict Mm -hmm. that can lead to future issues if you don't address how you're feeling Mm -hmm. in that moment. And so I'm really glad that Ash texted me that very same day. And it wasn't me meeting up with her a week later and things feel awkward because she hadn't said how she was feeling and it just boiled up. And she told herself a story that kept growing
1: into Becky doesn't like me or I'm not a priority. Yeah. If you don't deal with those things, they can come out on other people in bad ways. In fact, it did. I was frustrated. And it wasn't even that I was frustrated with you. As I was feeling insecure and unimportant. Mm. And I took that out on my roommate, who I was working out with. And later I apologized to her and I said, you know, it really wasn't about you. And she said, "I I knew even then it wasn't about me. But yeah. that's, it's, you know... <sighs> hurt people, hurt people. I actually don't know where that quote's from. I should find out. It's a good quote, though. But when we are hurt or when we are struggling, we take it out on other people. And it's not about them. Mm -hmm. It's about us and how we are feeling. So yeah, when you are annoyed with someone else, take note of it or think about, okay, am I misinterpreting this just because of my experience and my issues? Um, another thing about my roommate, and I asked her permission too for this, <laughs> but she she does this thing and I've noticed it lately. I don't know if she's always done this or if, she, I, you know, quarantine, I've just noticed it more. <laughs> but when she says something and I literally do not hear her, I say, what? And she mm-hmm. responds as though I think she is crazy and why <laughs> on earth which she had possibly said what she said and she backpedals and it's like yeah. oh no, no, never mind I mean I didn't say anything I just, you know it so it's yeah. mumbling and I'm like no 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 I didn't hear you I need you to repeat it and so something in her is interpreting my question of what as you're crazy and that's not about me it's not about how it's not even how I'm saying the word what like I'm yes. literally just saying what and she's she hears that as something different we do that too we misinterpret and what I love is that you talked about it though I've actually heard
0: your roommate, do that too. And I, I haven't, we haven't talked about it and I just thought, I I guess I haven't thought too much about it. Yeah. And so those are great conversations, those backgrounds and emotions. Everyone's perception is so different. Yeah. The way that you say what is truly, what did you say? (laughs) I going not hear you. And the way that she is perceiving it, your roommate or she hears it is what, what you crazy person. Why Why would you you say that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, if, if we don't have those conversations, once again, EQ, the point is a, is relationships. Mm -hmm. How do we have better, deeper relationships? If we don't open up about that, then there's confusion and misunderstanding that keeps us from getting to that, that deeper level.
1: And I think one, I didn't have this written down, but I think one other thing I'd love to throw in there is watching yourself for patterns. Yes. So when Shyla can, my roommate can say, okay, she acts like that. She could even observe that. Like I'm seeing it because I'm spending so much time with her, but she could even observe. Okay. When someone asks me what, and it's harder to see in yourself, but sometimes Mm -hmm. if you're having the same conversation over again and over and over and over, like, Oh, I felt like you were laughing at me. Oh, I felt like you were laughing at me. Oh, I'm felt, you know, you can start to see those patterns and say, okay, this is something I need to think about. Where does it come from? Can I do something about it? And sometimes it's just knowing it's there. Yeah. And knowing that you react differently to something than other people do, or you react a specific way when people don't mean it that way. And having that dialogue in place to say, I know she cares about me. I know she's not laughing at me. I know she cares about me. I know that she's not, you know, ditching Mm -hmm. me to work out with Tristan because she doesn't care about me. You know, having that dialogue and being ready to talk your emotional self through and say, this is what's truly going on. All right. So that's self-awareness.
0: So step one, being aware of yourself. I love how Ash talks through emotions. If we didn't have them, our interactions would look very different. So yeah. they are important. It is a good thing. Don't treat it like a naughty kid in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into self-management and we'll, uh, we'll roll through this. So the definition of self-management is emotional self-control. The ability to adapt and training on how to use your rational brain, which Ash has already talked about. So, how do we train ourselves not to do something in that fight or flight mode of our brain too quickly, where we regret what we've said, what actions we've taken? And I mean, what a great example is we are in a pandemic right now. Who knew that toilet paper would be gold? But people during this pandemic have reacted in that fight or flight, hoarding. I feel so bad for some of the mothers out there because I've seen pictures of just baby wipes being completely wiped out yeah. and people hoarding diapers. And it's that reaction to mm-hmm. fear Yes, in this unknown time. So that's as we observe, I mean, it really is a science experiment in general, the it time is. that we're living in, yeah. observing people's emotions and reactions. How do you make sure when it's a time of fear, unknown, or an interaction that goes awry that you are able to control your emotions the best you can. And what we're going to talk about here is we're going to we're going to narrow this down to three key areas of emotions that probably can hijack our our action the most. Yeah. And that's the thing is we do not want to let our emotions hijack our actions to a place where it hurts other relationships. We say something we don't mean to and we truly regret it. The first area, the one that I'm probably a champ at, <laughs> and maybe there's a lot of other people out there who are a champ at this and you're working on it. It's negative self-talk. Negative self-talk sounds like I should have done fill in the blank, mm-hmm. blaming yourself for something that was not you or poor self-confidence. And I, Ash knows this story went around blaming. Uh, so I'm right now I'm 24 going on 25 weeks pregnant and I've heard of this thing called mom guilt mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, that's silly. I don't even have a baby outside my body yet. A week ago, it was just uh, I guess it was two weeks ago. we found out that our baby has a mass on its lung, which is not genetic. They don't know what causes it, and it yeah. has to be removed to be a surgery. And I could not stop crying. And the thought went through my head, what What did I do? What are people going to say I did? Was it that red food dye or whatever? Right. And just that blame that all of a sudden took place. And, all, and I now can relate like this mom guilt. You yeah. feel like for some reason you're responsible. Even when a doctor, multiple doctors say, there's nothing that you did. This is not your fault. These cells were formed before we could even see this on an ultrasound. Right. It just yeah. happens. Native self-talk can be very damaging for your ability to be your whole self. I know we talked about that quote in a different podcast. For you to be your whole self, you really need to have that that confidence. Know that that negative voice in your head, you give it a name. That is a negative persona in your head. It is not the truth. It's Mm -hmm. a story you're telling yourself. Give it a name, whether it's negative Nancy, whether it's Jessica, fly away, whatever. (laughs) Give it a name. And when that, that voice in your head is blaming you or giving you bad thoughts, dismiss it. Be like, Oh, Jessica, you're such a jerk. (laughs) Go home. Jessica doesn't know what she's talking about. She doesn't. She's got it out for me. Go home, Jessica. You're drunk. Ugh. Yes. Sober (laughs) up. So that's one technique is give that negative Nancy, that name in your head, Jessica, give it a name and dismiss it. The second technique, express your thoughts to a safe and trusted person. Once again, Ash said emotions, they're a good thing. And sometimes we do need to express them to someone, yeah. not for them to fix it, mm-hmm. but in order for them to listen and us be heard. That and Ash is probably one of my go-to people when it comes to being able to share those emotions and just get them out to an objective person who can just listen and and you feel heard and that that itself can help. The last item here, technique for getting rid of negative self-talk is making an affirmation list about you. What is unique and awesome about who you are that you bring to the table that other people can't. I mean, whether it's your love for music and your ability to create music, or whether it's your ability to be a really fast runner, whatever it might be, what are some of those things that you need to remind yourself about? Create that list. Some people, maybe you'd need to
1: make that list and put it somewhere where you can see it to remind you. Yeah, because it's hard to remember when you're not when you're feeling down or your negative self-talk, Jessica's being real loud. Jessica. It's really hard to remember <laughs> to go back to that. Or you don't feel yeah. like it because you're like, no, that's not true of me. So it's really hard to find. One yes. of the things I do love, we talked about the Enneagram in uh, episode one. One of the things I love about that is that you can find all kinds of posts on what to say to specific types mm-hmm. to answer the negative things that they're hearing. Oh, that's awesome. So that's that's an interesting thing. And I'm sure that exists for other personality types too. Like I'm sure the Myers-Briggs, you can go and look up like, okay, what is this person probably telling themselves? And what could I tell them that will cancel out the negativity that they're hearing? Or what can I tell myself? What can I affirm about myself that is actually true? So that's a fun little side note. That is really good. Use those personality tests.
0: Yeah. The next emotion we're going to jump into for self-management is fear, stress, and anger. Put those three in one bucket. These are probably the most important to watch out. They can be the most damaging in the heat of the moment if you respond because of fear, stress, or anger. couple of techniques here. One of them, hit pause. Give yourself a cool off period. For some people, it's counting to five. That's great. For a <laughs> lot of us, it's longer than it's that. It's longer than that. Yes. I, I believe in the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, it says count to five fantastic. Yeah. If you can if calm you can down, cool and off. Fly, man, you probably weren't mad to begin yeah. with. You weren't mad enough. <laughs> so, uh, quite often it is okay. If you, if there's conflict or if there's fear, stress, or anger to say, I can't, I can't talk about this right now. Can we readdress this? Can we revisit this tomorrow? Or can we revisit this when I'm done with this work meeting or this class? Give yourself time to cool off. Once again, allowing that information to move from your fight or flight mode of your brain into your rational brain, where you can really think through what are the facts? What are the facts and what are the things I'm making up in my head that are causing me to react this way? The next one here is ask yourself, what role did I play? This so, one's tough. This one is so tough. There's actually a book called Crucial Conversations, and it talks about how those who react in a crucial conversation with violence, the way that we can overcome that is by saying, okay, hit pause, hit pause what could myself as an actor in this story? What role did I play? I am not an innocent victim all the time. I'm not always helpless. I probably could have done something. What was my contribution and think through that because it's going to help you be able to empathize and think, where's that other person coming from?
1: Yeah. And when you say violence, you don't necessarily mean physical violence, right?
0: No, not physical violence. So the book Crucial Conversations, which I would love to talk about in a future podcast. We'll come back to that sometime. Yeah. It says the two ways people react in a crucial conversation, which is a conversation with high stakes emotions and opposing views, Mm -hmm. is silence. So you shut down. That's me. Or, Yeah, that's me too, actually. <laughs> yeah. Or it's violence. And violence is taking over the conversation, not letting the other person get a word in, yeah. basically being an aggressive communicator. Yep. The last one here we've got for a technique controlling when you have fear, anger, stress, is to write it down. Perhaps it's helpful to actually not only think about it, but write down what am I thinking and feeling? Why am I feeling this way? Going back to what Ash said, is there a deeper layer why I feel this way? So write it down quite often you can just crumble it up and throw it away when you're done. Or maybe there's something in there that you say, okay, when I go back to this person to communicate and address this conversation, I can actually, I have written down why I feel this way and where I'm coming from. So I can more rationally explain it yep. and us have a better, healthier dialogue.
1: I think we don't burn enough things in our culture right yes. now. So sometimes when stuff like this happens, I write down then I burn it. Yes. And it's, it's very symbolic, but it also just feels good. It's like, no, I'm letting this go. I'm just go to ashes. Get out of here. Done. Yes. That's so true. Burn it. Yeah. Yeah. Safety first. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We both were going there. Safety first. It's therapeutic. Yeah. Someone once told me, actually a mutual friend of ours, when you have someone that you need to forgive too, but maybe you can't talk to that person, you can write a letter and you can burn it afterwards, but just there's something therapeutic about getting those words down. So, those are a couple techniques under responding and how do we control ourselves in fear, stress, and anger. One last one we're gonna touch on defensiveness. This goes, gosh, so deeply into what are those hot buttons within you? Why are they there? I know we shared some examples earlier about roommates, spouses. Around defensiveness, a couple techniques. In order, instead of snapping at someone or getting defensive, different things that we can do. When, once again, take time. Yeah. Count to five or give yourself longer. Breathe. Really focus on breathing before you respond. A really important one here is asking clarifying questions. Oh, yeah. Because quite often we get defensive and we're not even hearing what that person is truly saying, yeah. but we're changing those words in a way that makes us defensive, an area that we don't feel confident about. So ask clarifying questions. And when you ask those questions, do not listen in order to respond back. Listen to hear. That is so hard. It is. It is so hard in the heat of the moment. Yeah. And the last one is empathy. So putting yourself in that person's shoes. Empathy is such a big underlying skill to have in all of these Mm -hmm. areas of controlling yourself thinking of where the other person's coming from, not just you. And we'll come back to that in the next episode. (laughs) Yes, we will. So those are a couple of ways as we think through self-management techniques to manage some of those common negative emotions, whether it's negative self-talk, fear, stress, and anger, or defensiveness. The key here is to control your emotions. It is a skill. As you listen to this and you think, oh, I am so bad at snapping because I get defensive when someone says this, or I'm so bad at negative self-talk. It's okay. This is your benchmark. This is where you start. Listen to some of those techniques that we talk through, go back and practice them in your day-to-day life. Yeah. So really narrow in where do I need to practice my self-management the most? And what are some of those techniques I can implement? That is A lot. A lot for our first two foundational pieces of EQ, Mm -hmm. self-awareness and self-management.
1: So um, the book suggestions. So we talked about Emotional Intelligence 2.0 already Mm -hmm. and How to Win Friends and Influence People. I actually haven't read that
0: one. I know Uh, I should. It is. So Ash is going to make fun of me. I feel like I bring back all the old books. It's copyright (laughs) 1936, Dale Carnegie, and there's actually a TED talk out there about emotional intelligence and they say so rumor has it emotional intelligence was trademarked and became popular i believe in 1966 okay this book which was written in 1936 oh boy they basically say this this Dale Carnegie's talking about emotional intelligence but he didn't have that terminology yet mm-hmm. and it actually has in this book key principles that are important for relationships Highly suggest that. And it talks talks about some of this
1: of managing yourself and how you react. It is an older book. Okay. But old doesn't mean bad. No, it does not.
0: <laughs> I agree with
1: that. Awesome. Well, this was a great conversation about those first two parts of emotional intelligence. I'm so excited for us to talk next week about the next two. That'll be fun. Yes. So, yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be awesome if you went over to iTunes and left us a review. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime... Yeah. Have fun practicing your self-awareness and self-management. So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> practice,
0: practice, practice. Practice. All right. Talk to you next
1: time. <laughs>
0: Thanks for joining us on Living Box Free, put on by On The Rise Group. You can learn more about our services at ontherisegroup.com. Also, follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook at On The Rise Group. We hope you'll tune in next time for more helpful content.